Back again with another Day One Dolphins podcast. Once again, hosted by your boy Ouch. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Here with me is my fellow lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, Chief Sut. Please throw him a follow on Twitter at Chief Sut. Follow our podcast, Twitter at Day One Dolphins. Stay up to date. Thank goodness we are both back together. We both saw this game live. It was awful. Let's get down to it. What's going on, Sut? I mean, do I really need to say it? Please don't make me say it. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. They they hurt my feelings with that one. I just, I don't know what they were doing. Across the board, it was ugly. I mean, to be there in person and just see that level of sloppiness and then have to answer for it is just like, I'm mad, dude. Um, actually, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. But <laughs> we're going to be all right. I hope. We'll see what happens Saturday. I'm not going to have my hopes up anymore, dude. Uh, we're, at, we're, at, we're at that point in the season. It sucks. Like eight and five right now. It's still straight. We still control our own destiny and all that. But it was looking a lot nicer a little bit ago. Yeah. Not much promising about this Saturday game coming up. But I'll hold off having to speak about that for as long as possible. And get to what we've been putting off speaking about which is this Chargers game um oh yeah that I was there with you that was yeah. fun we it had a good time fun. tailgating we had a good time chilling yeah but man could have gone to a different game huh could have definitely chose a different one. what's funny is our two games that we chose were the Niners game and the LA game and we got Molly Watt both of them holy hell we should have just went to the Niners Bucks game and watched Brock Purdy smack up Tom Brady to feel good about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, to lose a game and watch uh, Mr. Irrelevant come out and look like a great quarterback and then following week go down, stay in California and play against the most injured team in football probably, and mostly on the sec- in their defense and get molly again. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you really don't see those ones coming. And uh, caught me off guard. I could tell from the first quarter, though, while we were while we were there live, like I was telling my girlfriend when she was sitting next to us, I was just like, "This is, I was, this is not good." Like that first drive where he goes zero and three for pass mm-hmm. attempts. I'm like, "All right, you know." But the stadium did to me. It seemed like it was a lot. Like they might not have home field advantage because of the crowd, like fans. Mm-hmm. But hell, man, that you're playing like it looks like you're playing under uh, Friday Night Lights, you know, like it's 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 a big stage is what they've set it up for out there. A lot of bright lights, big jumbotron like that. That's like a Super Bowl-esque uh, vibe over there. So that may have had I'm thinking that may have had an effect on the first couple throws. Then they come out, look just as stagnant and it just went all downhill from there. Um, if I had to put a pyramid of blame, right? I'm thinking like in order, 
a priority of who we should be bl- who should be taking the majority of the blame, then second, then third. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you have in that order? At the absolute tippy top, I mean, it has to be on coach like McDaniel, unfortunately, because it felt like adjustments weren't being made. They stuck to their, the Chargers stuck to their guns on offense, just continuing to hit their flat routes and five yard outs over and over again. Since that, what we, that's what we gave them. We never adjusted from the first quarter on. And yes, in the first quarter, Cater made that tackle on the goal line to like stop them on fourth down. But the fact that they felt comfortable enough to run that on fourth down in the first quarter in the red zone and then continue to run that same crap the rest of the game is is just disrespectful and it worked like yeah he had 39 completions but that's on 51 attempts and he didn't even have 400 yards 7.2 yards per attempt with how terrible Tua's game was he still had 5.2 yards per attempt so like it, yeah he's they still didn't... per per intended Tua was still like eight nine yards of air yards per pass and intended pass and yep. Justin Herbert's average completed air yards was 4.4 yards and that includes a 51.6 yard completion of Mike Williams. Imagine how short your passes need to be all game for mm-hmm. you to have a 51.6 yard completion and your average intended air yards or attempted air yards is still 4.4. That's sad. That's that's baby numbers. So that's yeah. why right under McDaniel, it would have to be both coordinators. I put Boyer. Obviously, we could talk about that goal line, quote unquote, stand that he attempted to make when he lined everybody up 15 yards. And then he did the same thing again later. Um, but I'd also give it to our OC, is it Frank Smith. Uh, he did not just like talk to Tua about taking the free throws. I'm watching the or replays. Darryl yeah, Daryl Bevel. Sorry. Take these checkdowns. Take take the throws that Herbert's living and dying by. He's not even looking upfield except for maybe twice. And on both of those two plays, he beat our guy. So coordinators weren't making adjustments. McDaniel wasn't on top of him. So McDaniel's at the top, those two at the next two. And then my next three would be our big three, which is Jalen, uh, Tyreek, and X. They're the guys that make the big plays. And uh, like you said, opening up with three incompletions and two of those being drops that hit you right in the hands that would have been first downs. That's unacceptable. And for Xavier Howard to get beat by Mike Williams on every single big play that the Chargers needed also unacceptable. So as, as guys that we look up to, to make huge plays and bail Tua out and bail the rest of the defense out, they did the opposite this week. I mean, Tyreek obviously had his play, but still, for what we expect, like how often we feed him, we we actually needed a little bit more that week. But what's your uh, what's your pyramid look like? Um, I'm yeah, Mike McDaniel number one, just because I'm absolutely flabbergasted at your inability to adjust to what was going on. Uh, you had options. You didn't even have to switch your play calling that 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 much like you there were underneath routes I saw Cedric Wilson plummet coming out from the flat I saw Raheem Mostert there for the dump off I saw Mike Gesicki um underneath Dur- uh, uh, T- Durham Smythe or the other tight ends underneath like 
there were options and Alec Ingold, there was multiple people that you would have thrown the ball to and they would have been able to run at least five yards and forced everyone on their team to run back and make the tackle. Um, and he didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't change any play calling and they didn't talk to Tua and adjust that. And I don't want to absolve Tua of any blame either. I'm going to say Tua's second on my list. Um, mm-hmm. Probably you said Darrell. Daryl Bevel, which they could be 2A and 2B because together they're supposed to collaborate during the game on what's going on and how to change what's not working. Right. And it just looked like the game plan, like it really looks like, and I have to, I have to like just walk on eggshells when I have this, this uh, discussion here, but I think two is a good quarterback. I really do. I believe that, that he could, he's a top 10 quarterback He's efficient and he can play ball like we've seen it. I think he goes through his reads fine. I think, you know, he's accurate. He's usually clutch, you know, outside from these weird, scary December games that are very important that we kind of uh, are unsure about what, how to, where to stands with. Mm -hmm. He's been a pretty good quarterback for us. And that being said, every quarterback has limitations and every coach is adhering to their quarterback's limitations and doing their best to put them in a situation where they're using more strength than areas where they're limited. And Mike McDaniel's calling plays like we have Dan Marino in Madden. Like straight up just doesn't care if we're going to run the ball at all. And it was cool when it was the Texans because you already were up so much and you wanted to take the guys out. Cool. And it was cool when it was the Niners because I was like, all right, he truthfully doesn't believe that he can run the ball versus the best run defense in the league. Cool. This? Nah, man. Uh-uh. It, now I'm not okay with this. Like, it's so, this is so bad. What did you go out and get these running backs for? Why do we have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert? Like, run it. I mean, well, in their defense, they did run it 15 times, which was an improvement over what? six or eight the game before like yeah i guess they did start running raheem more in the second half and then yeah. two accounted for three of those runs which he should be doing like a minimum of five a game yeah um, but again but he's, Eckler, he's a little scared himself. Mm-hmm. and that's just the carries that's not counting the passes that he got you know and they didn't just, run, the Chargers didn't run the ball well. It's not like no, any of them no. were killing us or gashing us besides that one joshua kelly run and Again, watching the replay, that was 100% on Boyer just off his formation. Whether they were calling a run, calling a pass, as soon as they lined up with their four down linemen pinched in that tight, it's so easy to bounce an outside run. And you're pulling guards. job is to hit Xavier and Howard. Like, I love X, but he's not a run-stuffing cornerback. We don't ask him to do that. So the fact that he was even in the... Bro, why is he even in the box like with the ability to take that hit. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't respect any of that. It's just a lot of dumb stuff that I saw across the board. No, I agree. Uh, I think overall compared to what I thought was happening during the game, the defense played better than, you know, what I originally thought there was a handful of just laughable play calls like that. I mean, we were sitting and watching the game and before the ball was even snapped, I was screaming, 
like take a timeout. What is happening? Why are they 16 yards away from what's going on? And then lo and behold, you know, they dump it off to Austin Eckler immediately. Austin Eckler takes, they need 17 yards to score. They get 16 and it's down at the one yard line. And then that's the one that they run it on fourth and one and they end up scoring. And that was like early in the second quarter. Um, yeah. yeah, I I I don't I'm gonna I'm in the period in this list of blame I'm still putting it Mike McDaniel Tua and Bevel. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say Jalen Waddle's hurt. Like we talked about, I think a lot of these guys are hurt. But now we need to figure out like, are you playing hurt? Okay. Or is it a waste of our time for you to be out there hurt? Because this is the least amount of separation that either Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle has gotten in the entire season. Um, yep. And Jalen Waddle's last two weeks, he's had, what, three catches? And um, not even looked good. I think, I mean, you said it before we started recording. He's probably playing hurt right now. And if that's the case, like... We have other not, guys. He, and he's not even being a good decoy. He's oh. not even running his routes like super hard. He's not like attacking the ball. Like he's clearly off. So put Seti in, put Trent in. Yeah, uh, I think River guys. was out and they where's, bumped somebody else up, but it's time to bump up easy. Like, yeah, where's he's a comma? Like, I mean, do we got, we got options. Mike Kosicki could be utilized. You know what I mean? Like that was the next thing I was going to say. You can be Kosicki. Like, it's just you have a, an arsenal of different like offenses that you can run, and I'm not talking substantially different to where you can't really do it on the fly. Like it's not that hard. You don't send Mike Gesicki down a nine route and then have him, you know, like one one v two with a corner and a safety, and you're just gonna make him go up for a jump ball or like this is not not how it's gonna work. You need to they need to either attack what's happening with a run game or with throwing short and they did neither the entire game and they just kept trying what they were trying it looked like they were trying to like they have a deal with Tyreek where the only way he would come to Miami is if he got 2,000 yards and Mike McDaniel's extremely focused on that like that's what it seems like there were so many people open yet you forced the ball to Tyreek Hill as best you can and it's consistently I hope that this is like a perfect area in the season for us to be humbled um, yeah, my, my third blame is going to go to the receiver core after Tua, and then maybe I'll start picking on some defensive players, but they're on the field so much on defense, <clears throat> aside from those like three or four play calls that we were screaming about up, you know, watching the game live and I couldn't believe my eyes. They did all right. You know, they, they definitely, they held them to 23 points and they do- the the Chargers dominated time of possession. Mm-hmm. The amount of yards 367 yards he threw the ball 51 times justin herbert he only had 360 yards and one touchdown you know what i mean so like they play their usual bend don't break and the offense if i mean the defense holds a team to 23 points and you should be able to win the game flat out and you didn't so uh i can't put too much blame on the defense uh so i'm just going with that those three as the power three there um if we're gonna move on to any type of silver lining anything let me ask you one other one if you if you agree the offensive line would you say they're regressing would you say we're just kind of banged up 
would you put any kind of blame on them as well? Because they uh, they didn't look too sharp. No, I guess is sure the nice didn't. way I could put it. Um, Teron Armstead's definitely playing hurt, playing with one arm. There's plays that people are beating him that there's just no way in hell would happen. You know, had he been 100% healthy. Um, mm-hmm. Although, at the bottom of that dog pile, when there was a fumble, Teron gave it a little whoop and passed it back to Tyreek <laughs> on the floor, and he picked it up and took it. What a crazy... My girlfriend was so excited while that happened, and I was just shaking my head. She's like, what? And I was just like, this is some like D2 college stuff that's happening right now on the field. I, I can't remember Actually. the last time that I saw... A fumble get skadoodled to another player and then him take off for what was it like 70 yards or something like that for a touchdown fumble recovery. But I agree. The I was offensive coming back line up the looked, stairs. That was insane, dude. Yeah, I couldn't even believe it. But it just felt still like, uh, you know, that's what keeping that's what's keeping us in it. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't feel good when that's like the reason that you're still in the game points wise, but. Um, the offensive line is awful and they really haven't been good the entire year. There's been spots here and there where they had good games and Tehran's been a bright spot, but you know, largely for the entire year here, it's been, you know, it's probably why they can't run the ball. It's probably why he's come to terms with not being able to run the ball. It's, you know, you look at other teams like Philadelphia and the Niners and people that just run the ball so well behind their offensive lines and it makes a difference. And, they're definitely a hindering level of skill or level of talent, you know? So, and I hope that Teron Armstead's injury makes it to where he can play on Saturday a little bit better. You know, thank God Von Miller's not going to be there, but you're just not going to win many games with an offensive line like this, it seems. So, Nah, and the, it's not like the Bills don't have Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa behind Von Miller. Like, they still got dudes. Yeah, and we have Quincy Roche. Versus. Yeah, because he hates playing against somebody that didn't draft him. But, nah, if you want to talk about silver linings, I mean, we'll be the most repetitive podcast on the planet if we just talk about Christian Wilkins every week. But he just keeps getting better, and he's basically the AFC Aaron Donald at this point. <laughs> I don't really see anybody playing straight up like he's basically an interior defensive lineman with our scheme and he is just dominant on every single play can't block him at all bro it's 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 every play and if you take a playoff that's a sack if you take a playoff he's going to tackle your running back for a loss of five so like it's he's almost unbothered by the scoreboard and what's going on on offense he's just he's trying to win the game by himself so That'd be yeah, my I, biggest silver lining. I don't know if you have anyone different or if you're just going to hype him couple. up, too. I love yeah. Christian Wilkins. I mean, even at the game live, you could see that there was a vibe of like, oh, we're losing the game? Well, I'm going to win this by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of guy that Christian Wilkins is out there. He's unbelievable, and that's what it looked like. A um, couple other guys I thought played really well. Uh, Eric Rowe, before he got hurt, was playing really well. It goes back to what I was saying about Eric Rowe. I love Eric Rowe. I, I, he's mm-hmm. so underappreciated on this team. Don't understand it. Blessing to have him out there. Really sucks to see him get hurt again. He had an amazing game. Cater Kohu had a really great game. 
Um, what a role he stepped up and, you know, played for us. I mean, just think about how many injuries we've had to this secondary off and on here. And we have this undrafted rookie free agent who's the guy who's who I'm talking about playing one of the best defensive roles in the week on one of their worst performances, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, super blessed to to have that working out. Our season could have been way worse without Cater. Um, and then Jerome Baker. I thought Jerome Baker did, did all right. Um, they weren't tasking him with the stuff that you saw Duke Riley do and Landon Roberts do, but... They weren't allowing anybody to run the ball. Like anytime it got handed off, the ball was it wasn't you know being run. I think he had like over ten tackles and a sack, two tackles for a loss. Uh, yeah, the he our run defense has just I'll put us against anybody running the ball. Like you're not you can't just line up under center and run the ball against our defense. It doesn't matter. We're gonna stop you all game, and it's because it's of those basically because of him. <laughs> yeah, it's Christian Wilkins, Jerome Baker, Alan, honestly, Alandon Roberts helps with the run game a lot. He's dangerous out there. Like, you yeah. know, after one quarter of getting thumped by Alandon Roberts in a hole, you don't want it anymore. You really don't. Um, yeah, he's Dylan he's going to hit a couple you. Good ones too. He, yeah, I just wish these guys when they come off the edge, they weren't running it like it's a drill and they just have to put their hands up and then coach is going to blow the whistle because they just fly past the quarterback so many times that should be sacks and i keep talking it up to being like uh oh this happens you know it's just what team happens to what team you know but this happens to us it seems like more than other teams and i'm looking here and it says justin herbert had a career high of pressures evaded he he had a career high at evading pressures. So like it's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. They were there, they're in the position, they got one hand on him, and he just like takes you off like he's Mike Vick, dude. Come on. You know, yeah. and then if you do tackle him, you get a roughing the passer call. Late. Which, which if you're alive at the game, I could spend like a very long time complaining about the ref- the referees. I won't, but if you're live at the game, it was so egregious. I watch a false start happen. I'm screaming false start to try and, I don't know, maybe the referees will hear me. Yeah. <laughs> the play goes, it's a short game. They line up again and they're going in hurry mode. It's another false start. This one's even more egregious. I can't even believe it. They don't call it again. The third one, they have a, in a row, consecutive plays in a row. They're in the hurry up. Another false start, and they don't call it. There was just, I, 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 like, yeah, it was just one of the most botched jobs I've ever seen. What was important to those officials on the field was perfectly aligned with things that the Chargers didn't do, and all the other penalties that should be called were the penalties that were deemed like okay for this game by the officials. And that's what it felt like. You were allowed to false start. You were allowed to hold and be... It was a really, really physical game be- between corners and receivers. Even our RN, Cater, was a little handsy. not But, you know, uh, they didn't call any of that. And any of it worked out. And, it, and they were running a lot of bump and run, but 
instead of bumping and running, they were holding them seven, eight yards upfield. And yeah. the point of that is to throw our timing off. I understand, but like you can't do that all the way down the field. Like, yeah, after five it, yards, it is illegal. Yeah, it's it's just absurd to me, but it is what it is at this point. Like, there's only so much we can do. If someone wants to pay me about 15 grand, I can take three months and break down a whole bunch of film and prove that the NFL doesn't like us and is out to get us. Someone pays me 15 grand. I'll be ready to be the third string running back. Put me out there, coach. I'm not playing. I'm just in the film room. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right here in the lab and I'm going to be breaking down every Dolphins game for the last five to 10 years and showing where the refs like clearly aren't officiating us properly. Like they officiate everyone else because they don't bro. And they, they, they're coached up to make sure that we don't ever have a guard or a, an offensive line past five yards, which by the way, after how many times that our team has been called that that flag has been called on our team the illegal um illegal man downfield um obviously we adjust to that i'm watching our linemen know they know damn well that flag is going to come so they stop they move up they move up and they stop they know where they're allowed to be passed by and they still throw the flag it's like they decided they oh this is this type of play we're going to throw the flag cuz you know you're not allowed to have linemen downfield it was just so bad Overall, but, uh, you know, let's move off of the officials so we don't seem too whiny. Uh, Any listeners, 15 grand. I'll prove it. Yeah. Let me know. 30 grand. You get yourself a practice squad RB out there, too. <laughs> but Yeah, I think I think we could, uh, like, pay, like, an XFL guy or, like, a USFL guy 30 grand to go, you know, run practice squad. And that might help the defense out a little bit more, if you, yeah. if you get what I'm saying. You know who needs help, but I forgot to mention is Bradley Chubb. He oh, needs Lord. help carrying his bag of money to his uh, hideout because he's committed grand larceny on the Miami Dolphins. He did have three hits and three hurries, but again, flying past the quarterback, completely yep. out of control, not yep. bending, not even making an attempt. He was the second lowest rated player on PFF this week, only behind Keon Crossan. And which- you've played... Justin Herbert more than anyone else on this defense. Almost more than Javon Holland, who played with him in college. And he had the third lowest rated game. I going to say, he did not have a game that I would hold up to Javon Holland's standards. He no. It feels like ever since the injuries occurred and he was asked to be a little bit more conservative at the safety role, that he's kind of disappeared a little bit. He's there in coverage. What's what's kind of concerning is that he's always been praised for his tackling ability and that like he's a no nonsense hitter. And he's he whiffing on stuff. Hitting. He does, but he's also been whiffing a little bit more yeah. and not wrapping up on the easy ones. And it's like, brother, like you got you gotta be good for the easy ones. And you got you gotta gotta wrap up if you're gonna yeah. come down with those big hits because if you don't dude like they bounce and then it's another yeah. 5 10 15 even if it's another two and they get the first down and keep it moving you guys stay on the field and you know these refs are looking for a way to keep you on the field throwing a flag so like yeah anytime there's like a huge hit 
and you look up, you'll see it's number eight. If you see a huge pop, you're like, oh my God, that's going to be a flag. It's Javon Holland, but he also has been missing tackles. And uh, Did we already talk about how much Xavier Howard's regressed? Yeah, I mean, a little bit when we were talking about Mike Williams dogging him earlier. Yeah, but... he, he, this year he's had, what, like two good games, and every other game he's been awful. Yeah, bro. We watched him live. Like, it was like your football IQ is so high that you knew you got beat already. So you just gave up on the play. And then you jogged slowly past Mike Williams on the ground, didn't touch him, and he got up and ran again for an extra gain because you gave up on the play. And (laughs) I've never in all my years of watching Xavier Howard seen that. That's something that I could see like Alandon Roberts doing year one. Yeah, or, lazy. Yeah, but I just I couldn't believe it. It hurt my feelings for real because I hold that man in a high regard. You know, we yeah, all kind of yeah. do. Like we're going from wanting him to retire as a Miami Dolphin to like I want you to retire sooner than later. At this point, I'm ready so, to draft a corner with our first pick. No yeah, questions asked. It's like, just crazy. So I don't know about that guy. I I I just don't know if he's playing hurt still or if it's, you know, just an actual regression, but you'll be able to see. And he's got Stefan Diggs coming this week, so we'll see. And Stefan Diggs notoriously has always had Xavier Howard's number, even in his prime years. Prime, bro. I don't know. At least we have uh, Christian Wilkins coming into being one of the best D linemen in the league. So if we don't have, you know, the best secondary in the league anymore, we're starting to develop one of the better defensive lines with how Jalen Phillips is coming along. If Chubb can figure it out, like we we have potential and the defense will get there. I just again, I don't think we're being coached properly. Uh, Zach's in the group chat every day banging the table for Vic Fangio and I'm at the point now where I'm I'm down <laughs> like do yeah it. I mean it's not like I can't see our defense being better but it's like they're not the reason we're losing games so in the in the pyramid of you know priority here like why am I gonna want to fire a defensive coordinator who all the players have already worked under the scheme with that guy and it relatively, you know, considering all the injuries that have happened, it works. Like I said, it, we're holding teams to like, you know, 23 points that they dominated the time of possession almost. At one point, they had almost double, if not double, the time of possession that we had in that game when I was watching it on the Jumbotron. And it's your offense that looks like they can't score. So. You know, you tell me what needs to be fixed first. Uh, I'm not saying that they couldn't do better, but I'm saying if I want to see people win games, like we've hit a plateau with the offense here. Either Mike McDaniel is going to come out and have everything adjusted and like have people guessing this game, or he's going to keep doing the same thing. And we're going to be scratching our heads, sitting here wondering if we hired the right coach. Yeah. And that's sad because on the Niners, the preview, I'm talking to my my Niners friend, Pat, about how I think he's a top five play caller in the league. Now I feel like a clown. I should should record this next episode with a red nose on. 
<laughs> just doing the makeup the whole time. Yeah, just like, like the... <laughs> awful, but. It is what it is. We'll see this weekend. They can shut everybody up and completely turn the vibes around with a dub on Saturday, you know? Like, very smoothly, very easily, no problem. Yeah, they got the scheduling that they did this year for the Dolphins hasn't been ideal either. Like, I mean, having to fly out to California, two road games, stay in California, and then you have to go back to Miami, then fly to Buffalo on an early week. So... You play a game in San Francisco, a game in L.A., and a game in Buffalo within 20 days. Yeah. You know, that's tough. And then, you know what's even worse, though, as I read the other day, is that the Packers play... The Packers play on Monday night, and then they got to play on Christmas. The Packers are going to play two days after our Buffalo game on Saturday, and then they got to get ready for the weekend to come down to Miami. So That's pretty good for us, I guess. Yeah, hopefully, but I guess they're making other teams do it too. But yeah, it's been a hard stretch. and uh, Just win like, one. If they do come out and win this Buffalo game in convincing fashion and we sweep Buffalo, I think all is well. I think everybody forgets about the last two games they've seen. Um, I don't yeah. think it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it's gonna happen. But I did see Mike McDaniel and them wearing shirts that say "I wish it was colder." Same shirts they wore in the beginning of the year that said "I wish it was hotter." They now say yeah. "I wish it was colder." Um, in the uh, pregame or I don't know whatever press meeting that Mike McDaniel had this week he comes out they talk to him about the weather and he's like yeah uh, I for one don't plan on blaming the weather for a loss so we're gonna go Dude. out there and play in whatever it is and that sounded like a little sly jab at the Buffalo Bills fans for complaining about the weather in Miami. Well, now people are already pushing this weather thing in Buffalo this Saturday that they're expecting 10 inches of snow and it's going to be really windy and all this other stuff. And, you know, some Dolphins fans are like, oh, 29 degrees, that's not even that cold. And like, oh, they, they clear the field before the game and you know, like it's not that deep, but like, boys, we don't need to try to like pretend. Like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be very tough. And Absolutely. we just have to run the ball. But just have to run the ball, plain and simple. You know what stands out to me, though, is the people that are acting like, like, the game is going to be tough because you're playing the Buffalo Bills. It's not tough because you're going into Christmas Wonderland. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody who's making it seem like because it's snowing, the game is over. Is a, they started watching the Dolphins a year ago because yep. acting like going up to Buffalo to play in the snow is some new thing when I watch them do it every year since I've been a kid. You know what I mean? Like, they do the, they, we've been doing this. It don't always end up well, but like, this isn't anything new. We go to Buffalo and we play in the cold. They come to Miami and they play in the heat. It is what it is. Every Take year. a win. They've been slouched, man. I wish that, I wish we didn't watch two. Less than 
you know, good games from Josh Allen for the past two weeks. I would have loved to have one of those fall on Miami's game, but you know how they you already know how they're gonna act. Dog, you know how it's gonna be. They hate us. They play yeah. like it's a Super Bowl every time they see Aqua and Orange lined up against them. I hate it. Yep. But we'll do a little more research on the Buffalo Bills game and do a little separate segment right before the game this weekend, or maybe you can bring Zach on and you and Zach do it since he would love to talk about how fearful he is of the of this Buffalo game, and, and he's not wrong. Everyone should be fearful. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing to be excited about. I'm usually the positive one, but like, <laughs> yeah, that's thinking to myself. Like, what's going on with this episode to where it seems more toxic than normal? It's because I mean, we're dude, here on the same page as me, dude. What? Like, please, please surprise me. Please turn me around and get me fired up again. But as it stands, like, I would be ignorant to be like, we're gonna go down here and kick their ass. Yeah, like, it's three, not gonna happen. Three weeks ago, I was talking like that, but I don't know what's going on with you guys at this point. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. So, good luck. Yeah. Well, that's all we got for you guys on the Chargers game. Hopefully, it didn't ruin your day um, reliving mm-hmm. these moments. Uh, there's a lot of film going around on YouTube, on Twitter. You can take a look at and see some of the stuff that we're talking about. You got Joe Schmo breaking it down all the way to XQBs in the NFL, breaking it down. You know, you can see exactly what we're saying. You can see how Mike McDaniel's at fault. Hopefully we get a turnaround in Buffalo. We'll be back next, not next week. We'll be back in a couple days talking about this Buffalo game. Um, Probably tomorrow. Drop something to get ready since it's an early game, Saturday game. Um, Hashtag I wish it were colder. Hashtag I wish it were colder. It's 54 degrees today over here on the west side. It was cold walking out of that game, though, huh? It was cold the whole time I was in Cali. And then yeah. I come here, it's rainy all day, and it's about to drop to like a eye of 50 for the next couple of days here. So I'm like, Beautiful. I'm just going to stay sick. Oh, you're sick? Yeah. Oh, boy. I knew it was going to happen with the traveling. You can't dodge that. Can't, bro. I was feeling like death all day yesterday, just heating up. Well, I'll let you get back to sleep here. Um, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow Mr. At Chief Set on Twitter. Wish him well. Tonsillitis, COVIDitis, whatever he's got. You know, he needs no to shot, recover no from shot, it. No shot. No <laughs> shot. No shot. I got none of that. I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsY. And uh, place your hands together. Get on your knees on the side of your bed tonight. Clasp those fingers, pull your hands into your forehead and close your eyes. Think to yourself, is it possible that Miami beats Buffalo in the snow? And then pray to your gods that it is. And until then, fins up. Fins up, fins for the win. Hopefully this time, I'm just saying it. Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami